And I think on a subconscious level, I, I just challenged myself at every step of the way. I just, I put challenges in front of me and I just did it and I did it and I did it. And, you know, I moved to New York City. I lived there. I moved to Italy for two years. I, I conquered there and I just, I put these challenges in front of me and I just barreled through and did it. And I think, and that built up my confidence and my self-esteem. Welcome to this Sage Warrior Woman episode of the Sage Warrior Gentleman podcast, where we explore the soft skills that are becoming more and more apparent as positive leadership traits in today's world. In these candid discussions with women in many diverse roles and in various stages of life, we learn about intuition, perception, and the struggles still faced by them every day. Now is the time to listen and understand from strong women with great lessons to teach us all. And in this episode of the Sage Warrior Woman podcast, which is a pivot from my Sage Warrior Gentleman podcast, I'll be talking to my friend Elizabeth Lacaze, who is the Director of Development for Ballet Tech, which she joined in 2017. As the Director of Development, she manages and implements all aspects of individual and institutional giving. She has extensive nonprofit management and fundraising experience, including most recently as the Director of Development for the National Guild for Community Arts Education and for Career Transition for Dancers. She has also worked with Rialt Dance New York and the New York City Ballet. She received her BS and BA from Skidmore College in Dance and English Literature, and her Master's in Nonprofit Management from Regis University. Please welcome with me my friend, Elizabeth Lacaze. So, Elizabeth, thank you very much for joining me on this. I'm really happy we finally got a chance to do this. I know. It's taken a long time to get me here. That's all right. No big, no, no big deal. No big deal. So, we kind of talked about it beforehand, and we've been talking about it before because, as you know, I interviewed John. Oh, John still has, like, the highest number of downloads yeah, so far. Yeah, was wondering about that. Yeah, he's over 100 now. It's pretty cool. I'll it's never pretty cool. You'll never live this down. You'll ne yeah. Well, uh, what we have to do is we have to really pump up the marketing All so right. that so that you get more than a hundred. Oh, you okay, got you got to beat him on that, right? Okay, cool. All right, good deal. So we went through the questions a little bit. So first off, you know, again, really thank you very much. You know, when you and I talked about this at the very beginning, because I ran this by you, mm -hmm. and then Charlene, who we did the very first one with too. But yes. I ran it by you guys, and you Thank's had some cool problem. ideas for it. Yeah. Yeah, you had some cool ideas. So let's start off with your occupation. Please tell us what you do, who you are, what you do. I am the director of development for an organization called Ballet Tech in New York City. Um, we partner with the New York City Department of Education and we provide ballet training. We integrate ballet training with their academic um, classes mm -hmm. at 890 Broadway. 890 it's Broadway. Founded by choreographer Elliot Fell. Mm-hmm. And something, he, he just died recently, right? No. 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 What was that picture you put up for him? Uh, no, he was in a Jeopardy. Uh, oh. Not Jeopardy question, he was a Jeopardy answer. Oh, that's right, that's yeah. right, that's yeah. right. I don't know why I thought he died, but no, I remember no, 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 something no. you put up about him. <laughs> he was okay. alive and well. <laughs> and he's still in New York. So, yeah. so you're doing that now here from Cincinnati because I you and I are am. sitting here in my studio in Cincinnati, I which am. is the first, by the way, as well, right? With yeah, somebody is 
actually sitting here with me doing this. So I wanted to do it in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you're here in Cincinnati and you're working it, and it still seems to be working out okay with yeah, you being here, right? It's okay. I don't work directly with the kids, so for me to work remotely is is um, fairly easy with my position as yeah. director of development. Yeah. Yeah. So, talk a little bit more about director of development. What does that really mean? It means I raise money for Ballantech is a nonprofit arts mm-hmm. organization, so mm-hmm. I raise money for the organization. Mm-hmm. Grants, foundation grants, government grants, individual donations, all of that. So does that mean you're writing a lot of letters or you're making a lot of phone calls? Um, I hate the phone. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I've yet to meet a development person who says they hate the phone, but I hate the phone. So I do a lot of emails um, and I do write a lot of letters and a lot of grant proposals. Cool. And that can be done online. There's online portals for every foundation. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So now let's talk about what you do as it relates to your family. How do you think this has helped your family grow? And you've got two wonderful kids, so let's let's talk about them, and let's talk about your work and the kids a little bit. Well, my kids are my heart and soul. Hmm. They keep me going. Um, um, I guess I like to be... A good influence on them or a good example um, especially for Sarah as a working woman um, and you know at one point I actually went back to school and got my master's when they were little and I was working working on my master's it was a uh, distance learning program uh, and I had two small kids and they saw that, but they didn't see the brick and mortar of the school. They just saw mommy at the computer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Michael would sometimes say, you know, mommy's a really great mommy, but she can't play all the time because she's always on her computer. And that just <laughs> killed me. But, yeah, but. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think it's a good example of, you know, both parents working. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. And uh, especially seeing the way they turned out. Oh, my kids are great. Oh, my God, yeah. They're the best. So, so Michael stayed back in Staten Island when you he's, guys moved yep. out. He's in New York, and uh, he's a talent acquisition specialist at Soho Dragon. So, he's basically a recruiter for um, financial tech positions. Mm-hmm. Already, already gotten one raise. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and Sarah flew off to uh, L.A. seeking her fame and fortune. So. And she's doing pretty well too. She's, she is. She's finding her way. Yeah. I They're both that, in their twenties, so that's. Oh, yeah, I thought that was so cool when you told me that she was moving to LA. I'm like, yes, Sarah, way to go. Way yeah, to go. I awesome. kind of thought so too. And I, when she told us, I think she was sort of cringing, like, "Oh no, mom and dad are gonna like freak at this." And both yeah. of us were like, "Go! This is the time to go." Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. And right on the beach, mm-hmm. and she can walk to work. Yes. Oh man. Yeah. That is so yeah, awesome. Like a mile away now, that so. is so awesome. Yeah. So, all right. So, so let's take your your career and your business and think of kind of think of everything because of your background in dance and what you've done. Think of that as it relates to the world a little bit, a little bit wider and a little bit broader, like out past your family. But even think about it this way too, is that. You've raised two really solid kids, and they're doing some really awesome stuff out there. Yeah. 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 So you taught them some lessons. You Hopefully. led by you led by example. Hopefully. No, you did. You did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did. Yeah. So how does so how does what you do spread farther out into the world? 
like in particular to this the job that I'm doing now like well think about that yeah if you just want to start there think about what the job you're doing right now well the job that I'm doing right now is raising money to provide dance instruction to elementary kids from fourth through eighth grade so that's a very young age to start influencing these kids and I I think um, um, I think arts instruction should be a core subject in academics um, and I think that's how we are influencing generations after generation uh, generations of kids um, to go into the world with this arts education you know stem is great but it really needs to be steam because otherwise you 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 have all these kids now with the STEM education, science, I don't know what it is, science, technology, uh, engineering, and math, math yeah. but there's no arts, so they, they're not really becoming creative thinkers. Yeah. And to provide arts as a core subject, it's, it's not to create artists, of course that's a great thing if that happens, it's to create creative thinkers, to go into business and to go into you know, technology, um, the techno technology industry, sorry, mm -hmm. um, and be creative thinkers and, you know, solve problems creatively. Yeah. So, and I, I think my little small part in this whole microcosm is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's neat. Steam. I, and, and, and I don't know, too many people don't really think about it that way. I do remember, though, like back in the 90s, at some point reading something in Wired magazine or something that mm -hmm. talked about how companies were starting to hire MFAs, Masters of Fine Art, rather right. than MBAs because of that creative thinking right. that those MFAs had. Right. And exactly. they wanted to bring that in. It's, it, I think it's critical. Yeah. You know, it's a hard thing to convince the higher-ups to do that. You know, yeah. arts is the first thing to go when there's budget cuts. So. Yep. Yeah, yep, yep. I think that's why uh, Elliot Feld created this school. So. And when was the school founded? 1978. 78, wow. Yep. That's been a little while back. Yeah, 44, we're in our 44th year. And it's been around. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Very cool. Does it make you feel, does it make you feel really humbled to work for a company like that? Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, especially when you, well, I'm not walking around watching the kids anymore because I'm here, but, you know, I know that's happening. So when you see the kids or you watch them in class, it's just like, wow, yeah. we're changing these kids' lives. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome to be able to work with kids like that and do that. Yeah. All right, cool. So also when I came to you and, and told you that I was going to do this little pivot and start interviewing some women, and I told you I wanted you to be one of the first ones, and we talked about, because it, it, was, it was the Sage Warrior Gentleman podcast, and I said, I think I'm going to call it the Sage Warrior Woman podcast. And you said, yes, I'm a warrior. <laughs> I did. I remember the exact time we did that. We were at a wine tasting. <laughs> yes, we were. Yes, I'm a warrior. And I had you go, and I had you, I had you ready to go. Like, like, like we could have, we could have, uh, we could have recorded right then and there. Yeah, we probably should have, but yeah. So, all right, all right. So, tell me what it means in your mind to be a warrior. Well, I guess I'm going to speak from more of a personal point of view. Yes, but, absolutely. Um, it's not like I'm a warrior. It's more of a warrior spirit. Hmm. Um. Oh, 
I don't want to get too much into my whole upbringing. Um, but my mom was very overprotective and very critical. So when I went out into the world in my 20s, I had very low self-esteem um, and very little confidence. And I think on a subconscious level, I, I just challenged myself at every step of the way. I just, I put challenges in front of me and I just did it and I did it and I did it. And, you know, I moved to New York City. I lived there. I moved to Italy for two years. I, I conquered there and I just, I put these challenges in front of me and I just barreled through and did it. And I think, and that built up my confidence and my self-esteem. And I think that's where I get my warrior spirit. Mm -hmm. And when I get something in my mind, I have to do it. Yeah. Because I don't want any what ifs at the end. Mm -hmm. No what ifs in my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I think that's what I mean by warrior. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. No, beautiful explanation. Okay. All right. Ooh, so. That's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was. I, but. But remember, though, that's, that's what this podcast is all about. Yeah. It's so that people can listen to you mm -hmm. and these words that are coming from your heart and dig down into themselves and pull something out, too, because there's still so much self-doubt out there in anybody. And I, and I don't care who it is. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's a 20-year-old young lady listening to you and trying to find her way in no, the world. Maybe, so. maybe, maybe it's a 60-year-old. It doesn't really matter who it is. Yeah, it I, mean, I, mean, I still have confidence issues. Yeah. I still, yeah, I mean, you know, John and I just did that firearms yeah. training thing, and we went out on the range, and I was terrified, yeah. and I was watching John out there, you know, shooting, and I just thought, I can't do this, I can't do this, I'm going to walk away, I can't do this, and I thought, there's no way I'm going home after he did it, and I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the picture, you guys so holding your little certificates up, and you guys, I didn't, I didn't realize you guys were going to Cleves, I've got a cousin in Cleves. I can't believe that, that's so funny. <laughs> All right, cool. So let's talk a little bit about lessons now, because you've 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 been through a lot. You've you've done a lot. Um, I know a lot of your story of you know very first going to New York City and when you and John met and you know I think we all I think we pretty much all started out in New York City all around the same time, right? We all kind of yeah uh, yeah. I hadn't met John though. We were doing our own you know mm -hmm. different things brought us there. Yeah but, yeah, yeah yeah yeah. So let's talk about uh, a lesson. How about, tell us about some really profound lesson that you've, you've learned in life and how it maybe made you think about things a little oh, bit differently. Awesome. 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 Okay, so I guess this is after college. Yes, after college, I moved to New York, and the first restaurant job I got was at um, Wiley's Ribs. Wiley's I think Ridge. it was on 6th Avenue and 50-something. Uh -huh. um, and I met someone there who was so influential. And eventually I, I ended up uh, subletting an apartment from her. But um, she was amazing. I'll just Her first name is Deirdre. Yeah. And she once told me, the secret to life is how well you deal with plan B. And it's not, it's not plan B. It's how well you deal with plan B. And that's been like my mantra throughout my life. And I shared that with John, and John loves that. Mm -hmm. And our life together has, has, we embody that kind of mantra. Yeah. The secret to life is how well you deal with plan B, because you know everything's plan B. <laughs> so you've had a lot of plan Bs. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
don't you think? Everybody has so. Yeah, I guess I, I guess so. I, yeah. well, twist and turn. And for people life, who, well, and, and and for people who who don't understand that, they think that the only thing is Plan A. Right. And if it's not Plan A, it can't be anything. Right. And those people, I don't know what they do because I've kind of never been like that either. I mean, of course, I set goals, and there are things that I want to achieve. Right. And I don't get there, so now I have to first figure out what plan B might be. Or plan A was never supposed to be plan A to begin with. To begin with. So maybe plan B was plan A all along. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Kind of funny how that happens, huh? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So, okay, so... So you think you're on plan A, and you're walking along, and things are really cool... And then something happens, and it kind of knocks you off track a little bit. And maybe you do have to go to plan B, but there are some decisions that you have to make along the way. And sometimes those decisions can be kind of tough. So how do you make the tough decisions in life? Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, there, there's one, of course, a huge thing that happened was, you know, I was on track for a dance career. But I, you know, in hindsight, the only reason I was on track for a dance career was because I was good at it and I didn't know anything else. Mm -hmm. So I was doing that, but then um, I sprained my ankle once, twice, three times. <laughs> and I thought, huh. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. at the time, it was very interesting, and I think I told you this once before, but I was reading a book at the time. It was some health, um, self-help kind of book. I don't know what it was, but um, at the end, they had an index of injuries, different, different injuries to parts of the body and the corresponding reason for it. Mm -hmm. And I think I was 18 at the time. And for ankle injuries, it said, you're not going in the right direction. And I thought, oh my God, I'm not. And it kind of felt good to almost like a relief. Like, yeah. I don't have to do this. Yeah. Um, just because you're good at something doesn't mean you need to do it for a profession. Yeah. Like your entire career. Yeah. But at the same time, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. So I went home, hung out for a year, worked, did some local theater or whatever. And then I went to college. Um, and that's, I, I guess that kind of decision making sort of was just following the flow kind of the flow of the river. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. I went home. My parents were like, you should go to college. So I did, you know, kind of thing. And that, that sort of started a whole new life. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm not going to dance. So now what? Yeah. Um, making decisions at work kind of thing is a whole nother sort of mindset. I think what I, what, the way I make decisions is I look at the end game, what I want, what I want, mm -hmm. where I want to be, or yeah. where I think it needs to be, and then I find a way to get there. Yeah. So I kind of work backwards. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk then about, because a lot of what you talked about had to do with the thought process. So we talked about making these decisions. We, we talked about the whole plan B thing. So what is your thought process like? Can you walk us through well and if if you want to keep it with work that's fine because there's a lot of cool stuff that you do at work so what's your thought process when something comes to you how do you start thinking about solving this challenge or problem or whatever it is that you have 
Yikes. Um, I don't know. I think instinctually, which took a long time to trust my instincts, but I think sort of instinctually. Um, again, I, I kind of just look at down the road where I want to be or where I want that pro how I want that problem solved, and then I just find a way to get there. I don't really know how to break down my thought process. Tough to verbalize, right? Yeah, which yeah. is why I could never be a good dance teacher because dancing kind of came naturally to me. Mm. So if I tried to break it down for someone, I couldn't. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, a really good teacher can break everything down, and mm -hmm. I just, I couldn't do it. And I, I don't know that I can break down my thought process. It's hmm. kind of instinctual. So, it probably is that way because you've been doing it for so long with, like, writing these grants. That's almost like an instinctual thing to you as well? Well, there's a lot of boilerplate. <laughs> is there? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of boilerplate. But, no, no, that that takes some thought. You know, you want to be a good fit for whatever foundation it is you know, you want to fit in with their priorities. Mm -hmm. So that takes some thought, but there is some boilerplate. So there's a little bit of research involved? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because you do want to, to make this alignment and show them where it's a good bet yeah. to, a good to back you guys. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. So let's talk about some wins now. Can you give us a, a really cool example of a, of a really neat win for you? A win? That's so weird. That's like an interview question. This is like, an interview. I know, but I mean like a job interview. Like what, what's a, an example of a, a success? What's an example of a failure and how you overcame it? And blah. I don't know. Wins, losses, blah. I don't know. Um, a win. <sighs> I would say, and this might not be what you're looking for, I don't know, but a win would be when the opportunity for me to go to Italy, came up, and I took it. That's a huge win in my life. Yeah. Because it was pivotal. That was like the most pivotal two years of my entire life, transformative. Yeah. I wouldn't be the person I am today had I not had that two years in Italy. Yeah. Because it's just, that's right. where so. I did a lot of introspection, work on myself, and, you know, I was coming up on 30, so I was like, I better do something. <laughs> So now is, is this the, yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about this because you were working for some pretty famous people. Well, I was, and that sort of came into play. You know, I went there for a particular pur purpose, um, and I had a roommate, and she was English. We're still in touch today. We're still mm -hmm. friends. Um, and she said, come on out with me and my friends, and I did, and they were all English, and they said, you need to go to this au pair agency because I needed money. Um, so I, I was like, no way, I'm not going to take care of kids or babies. <laughs> but I did, I went to this au pair agency and they, I talked with them for a little bit and then they wrote down something on a slip of paper and gave it to me and said, go to that address and speak with the Marquesa. Mm -hmm. like, the Marquesa, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I went to the address, and I'm standing there, and I'm looking up, and I thought, well, this is the Salvatore Ferragamo store. This is their flagship store in Florence. Why am I here? So I went inside, and I said, I'm looking for this person, and I showed them the, the slip of paper, and I said, Cece, you know, follow me, and I did. 
Next thing I know, I'm sitting in Marquesa Fiamma Ferragamo's office. I was like, what? <laughs> so, Fiamma Ferragamo is the oldest daughter of Salvatore Ferragamo, and she and her mom took over the business when Salvatore died. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, this is interesting. So we spoke for a little bit. Absolutely adored her. I have such, I have such admiration for her. She's since passed, sadly, but um, she hired me to be La Ragazza for her two teenage girls. Mm -hmm. So I just, you know, it was like a sound of music kind of thing. I was like, you know, best friends with the, the teenage daughters and I traveled with them and spoke English with them and made sure they got their homework done and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It was fantastic and I'm still in touch with them too. So That's very cool. I, I didn't know that. that. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. Still in touch with them and still love them dearly. Um, the Marquesa and one of the older daughter um, came to our wedding, John's and my wedding, mm. and that was really special. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was pretty, that was nice. Um, I have to say the time in Italy, when I, especially when I first got there, um, was, it was really, that's when I really did a lot of introspection because I didn't really speak the language, I didn't really know anybody until I got involved with the, the Ferragamos, but I spent a lot of afternoons in Boboli Gardens in Florence with my journal, mm -hmm. <laughs> doing a ton of work on myself. And, that's you know, neat. Yeah, yeah. So it that's was really a really cool. pivotal time. I, I had to deal a lot with, you know, the mother-daughter relationship and yeah, that kind of crap. Right. So, right. Yeah. Right. But it sounds like you also had some good time to yourself. I did. Which is which is what it took for this it, introspection. It took and that, yeah. I don't know that that would have happened in New York. Yeah. Because um, there's just so many, you know, things happening. Um, but there I could be by myself unless I'm being stalked by an Italian. <laughs> <laughs> which happened? Which happened. Not stalked. That's, that's, no, never mind. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> But yeah, so I, you know, there I was hitting up on 30 and I was like, okay, I, it's time for me to go home. It's time for me to not blame anyone for my issues anymore. I'm taking mm. responsibility for myself and my own happiness. And I came home and then I met John. <laughs> so you came home as a different person. I did. I did. With much more focused knowing I didn't want to dance anymore, knowing that's, that ship sailed. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know what I was going to do, but you know, I got another waitress job, I got an apartment. I Actually, I was roommates with a friend of mine uh, who was getting press releases from, from this public relations firm, and she said, you know, you should just call her. And it was a public relations firm for the performing arts, and she had the A-list, Paul Taylor, Merce Cunningham, Meredith Monk, uh, the Joyce Theater. I was like, oh, okay. So I called her, went in, spoke with the boss, um, and I got hired. Wow. And that was the start of my arts administration career. Yeah. Yeah. And that was before you and John got married or after? That was before John. Yeah. Okay. That was actually I worked there for two years, and during this, that two years, I met John. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that was what year was that? Oh dear, I met him in '92. So yeah, '92, '93, okay. and then I went to New York City Ballet and worked there in the education department. I managed the, the lecture demonstration program. Mm, cool. And I left there 
on maternity leave. Yeah. <laughs> so we were definitely married by then. With Sarah. All right. Good deal. Good deal. Okay. So soft skills are becoming much more of a thing. I mean, almost every magazine I read and something's always got something about soft skills in there now. And even this, this latest issue of, uh, issue of Monocle magazine that I have talks about the soft skills superstars, like where around the world they're starting to bring more feminine skills into the workplace and into places where you have to make decisions and not just making decisions like men make decisions anymore but 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 bringing these things in so i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna say some words because i've got some words here that i think are words that kind of convey what soft skills are so soft skills are related to feminine skills what <laughs> kind of kind of sort of yeah, yeah, kind of, sort of. It's not as it's it's not as linear, you know, because most men think very linear. Most men think oh, like engineers, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And 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 with more and more women coming along, and you're mm -hmm. you're teaching us how to work in a little bit different way. You're teaching us how to think in a little bit different way, mm -hmm. because everything is not as cut and dried as most men want to think that they are. True. And. I mean, it's it's even proven that, that there's a center in your brain which is like a third bigger than it is in ours. And that's the whole feeling, sensing kind of center in your brain. Ooh, what part of the brain is that? <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> I, but I will look that up. So, so I'm just I'm going to mention a couple of words, and I, I do this I do this on the men's side too. And so when I interviewed Charlene, she said, she said I think about changing those words just a little bit because those are those are very masculine words. See if you can work something else a little bit in there. So okay. these come out to be compassion, contribution, selflessness, empathy, and grace. Do you resonate those are, with any of those, those words? Those are very soft. Those are very soft, yes. So how do those resonate with you? Too soft. Too soft, okay. So is... is I don't know how it's... I don't know. I, I grew up in a very patriarchal family, so I have three yeah. other brothers right. and a pretty strong dad, so I don't know. I'm not real good at the whole empathy thing. I like grace. Yeah. Grace is good. Okay. Um, I... I would go with honor, mm. yeah. um, courageous. Are those like hard skills? I don't know, but I, I, I wouldn't think so. But 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 they're definitely something you would pick up coming from a military family, like you and I did. We both come from military families, yeah. so yes, I can definitely see that. Yeah. So maybe I would put a little more hard skills in there than the yeah. Skills. Okay. But that's that's just me. That's good. Yeah. But that's um, that's exactly what I want to hear. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you, you would you would throw in there? Um, honor, courageous, um, respect. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely respect, which could be related to empathy. Mm, yeah, in, in I can sense. see that. Right. Yeah. Um, nothing's coming to me at the moment. It's okay. Yeah, no worries. No, that's cool. That's cool, and 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 I appreciate your honesty on that. That's that's what we're here for. Okay. Absolutely. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna take another little pivot, and 
again, I'm going <laughs> to... friends. <laughs> I will... I, 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 right now, because, because this sage warrior woman is still so new in my mind, I, I have to keep thinking back to the way that I, that I did sage warrior gentleman and, and talk about some of the stuff there. And, and where I'm seeing I have to do these different types of things here. But one of the things that we talk about there in that one is chivalry and the concept of chivalry. Does that mean anything to you? I love that word. Um, I love a chivalrous gentleman. I'm, I just do. I, I like when a, a gentleman opens a door for me or whatever. Um, I like that. Um, traditionally, it's thought of as a masculine thing, as a, a, a male thing. Yeah. I think, hmm, that's a good question. I think in today's world that maybe chivalry means um, random acts of kindness mm. and can work both ways. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been in a situation where there are double, double doors to get in somewhere, and a gentleman would open the door for me, and I'm like, thank you. And then I walk in, and I open the door for him, for the second door. Mm-hmm. And I, I think chivalry could be both male and female. Sure. Just random acts of kindness, I think. That's a really and cool way to rephrase it. surprise people. And say, oh, thank you. Yeah. Didn't expect that. Yeah. Yeah, too. And, you know, the way you are, because we've been out several times and we go out in here, and just watching the way you are when we go out to a restaurant or something and how warm and nice you are to the people who are serving us or anybody in the restaurant, the people who bring us the bread and water, and how nice you are to them. I was a server, so I know. So you're you're going back to those days. No, but you are. You don't. You 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 don't seem to make any kind of distinctions in in a position that anyone holds. You're just very nice and warm and inviting to everybody. Oh no, I wouldn't make a distinction with whatever position. No, it's just um, the golden rule. Yeah. You know, treat people the way you want to be treated. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand that golden rule, though. It's so easy. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so easy, but yeah, no, I I wouldn't treat anybody differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, cool. So we're getting down towards the end here now. This has been a great conversation. No, this has been a great conversation. Ooh, this okay. Is, no, this is awesome. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about health, and then we're going to talk about something else, and then we'll then we'll we'll, we'll wrap it up for today. So let's talk about health. What does what does health mean to you as a yeah. as a modern warrior woman? <laughs> Well, health is, um, wow, okay. It's sort of all-encompassing. So it's, it's exercise, it's diet, and it's mental health. So you've got to put all those things together. Um, I think for me, it sort of had like fits and starts, and you know, I didn't really get to where I am now without a lot of struggle. Um, in the early years when I was dancing, I kind of flirted with some eating disorders and I never had a full out eating disorder but you know I starved myself I binged I you know whatever and then I kind of I gave up red meat um John and I gave up chicken and turkey like 15 years ago um and I just started eating better because it just made me feel better um 
I was, I've been dancing since I was five, so I've always had a physical life. You know, I, I want to be really active all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so, but even that, you know, we had the kids and we couldn't work out all the time, but we, we, man we managed to work that in to our life. Um, now I work out like five days a week. But it's not crazy. I'm, I'm yeah. not a marathon runner. I'm not a competitive swimmer. Yeah, I walk. I walk and jog with the dog. You know, <laughs> we swim laps twice a week. I have my gyrotonic expansion system mm -hmm. and my floor model. Mm -hmm. um, and I do that once or twice a week. You know, so it's just staying active. It's just one morning, one hour every morning. You do that, and then the rest of the day is. I can have my wine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the mental health part, that kind of came a little later um, when I started really um, respecting my alone time. Mm. Um, and it's just finding moments in the day where you just sit by yourself, no one around. You know, even when I used to commute on my bike in New York City, I'd yep. ride up the east yep. side bike path and I would stop a little bit past the Williamsburg Bridge and I would just sit on the park bench for like five, ten minutes and watch the river. Mm -hmm. And that's just, I called it my oming moment. So that's awesome. So you find oming moments during the day. I do it now with Rye, when Rye's a dog, sorry, Yep. Um, running along <laughs> the Ohio tra uh, River Trail. We stop along the serpentine wall and I j we just he loves it too he sits there and watches the river with me mm -hmm. it's so cool it is and it's just those moments where you um own i don't actually own but um well actually what comes to mind is trisha yearwood i don't even know what the song is but it's a lyric from one of her songs where you listen to the whisper of your heart mm. and that's kind of what you do wow. you just and it helps you to um Trust your instincts. Yeah, and yeah. Just know what you really want. Yeah, kind of thing. and that's also cool that that you came from New York City to here, both places that are on the water. Well, that was a where you can have this whole water thing, well, right? When John suggested Cincinnati, I said I need the performing arts, body in, and a body of water, yeah. and I got it. Right. So, yeah. I was happy. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So two more questions. First is. If you were to mentor a younger person, what do you think you'd be strongest at in mentoring someone? What would I be strongest in? Yeah. Um, I think I would be strongest in just relating my experience. And if they can take something away from my personal experience, then I'd be a success. Mm -hmm. I can't tell them what to do outside of my own experience. Right. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've done that. People have called me, usually from Skidmore, they've just graduated. Skidmore is where I went to college, so. Um, so, you know, they would call me and say, I, I was looking at your resume, it's really cool, can we have coffee? And I've done that a couple of times with, with um, graduates and met with them. And basically, I just related my experience and why I did something, and they, whether they took something away from that or not, I don't know. Yeah. But it's, by example or my own experience. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. And that's that's exactly what this podcast is all about, too. You know, the experiences of all these people and being able to listen to how somebody answered this question and then how somebody else answered the question yeah. and being Different able to see that in there. Yeah, it's that's neat. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it is. It's very neat. 
All right, so final question, and yeah. then we're done. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to say? I knew you were going to ask that somehow. I wrote down three things because I was afraid that what if I forget to say these? <laughs> Oh, I did that one. Well, okay. So, if you really want to grow, you got to get out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've lived most of my life out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And that's sort of like self-imposed because I just needed to learn how to do things on my own, and I did. But you got to be out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. um, stay open to opportunities and take them because you don't want to end up with the what ifs. And listen to the whisper of your heart. That's really cool. Trisha Yearwood. Trisha Yearwood. Trisha Yearwood song. Credit. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Listen to the whisper of your heart. Yeah. yeah, that's neat. I'd never heard that before. Very so cool. Those, I guess those are the three things. Too. Yeah, cool. All right, good deal. Well, thank you very, very much for doing this. Well, it was really you, awesome. Jeff. I appreciate it. Yeah. I did it. Yay! Yeah, you did it. <laughs> You will be you will be out on the airwaves in about another three days. Well, I gotta beat John now. You gotta beat John. Come on, people, That's right. listen. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right. Well, thanks a bunch. I will I will close this out. Thanks. All right. So, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Sage Warrior Gentleman Podcast. And remember that you can join us and get a free guide over at sagewarriorgentleman.com. We'd love to have you join our conversation and please help us spread the word if you feel this could help someone you know and care about.